0: Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Rob. We're a writing team from New Jersey with a passion for film. An
1: aggressive,
0: all-consuming passion. Well, whenever we see a news article we find, like, insane, uh, immediately it's... How can we make a movie out of this? Every episode, we read a crazy article from different sources and tumble down our own rabbit hole. discussing
1: cast, crew, and plot. And then we hash out a pitch for a feature film.
0: So join us as we BS about movies and ask the important question.
1: What do you got? What do you got? What do you got?
0: What do you got? Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us. This is episode 22 of What Do You Got? Uh, Rob and I are actually recording separately today as cases continue to spike. And I now have my new setup with my new microphone. Figured I'd test it out. So we are recording from separate rooms. Hopefully, nothing goes wrong.
1: Well, recording from separate buildings across the
0: state of New Jersey, yeah, separate (laughs) separate counties as well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so uh, hope you guys enjoy this one. This is a Thanksgiving special episode, and uh, probably going to be a shorter one. The article that we have for you today is not uh, the most in depth. We had a lot of trouble finding a Thanksgiving themed article. I would say.
1: You know, as I went around searching for for Thanksgiving, like I usually type in when we're looking for articles, I'll just be like, you know, maybe this would be a cool idea. And I'll type in like blank yeah. stories or blank weird stories, blank funny stories, blank cool stories, whatever. And it's worked out well a couple of times. Uh, although more often than not, we just randomly find stuff. Yeah. But as I'm typing if Thanksgiving stories, I keep getting these weird, like chicken soup for the soul, uplifting, uh, like Christian stories of Thanksgiving, <laughs> and like you know, people reconnecting with their dad over turkey. And I'm like, I don't care. It's not <laughs> yeah, it's good for a movie. It's a
0: lot of it's a lot of personal things, which actually made me think uh, that in the near future, I would like to. Maybe delve into the possibility of doing an episode pitched around uh, like a personal story we've gone through or something, you know, like if something crazy has happened to us or whatnot. Uh, But I I, I digress. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) I, I basically searched around kind of just Googling like crazy true Thanksgiving stories. And a lot of it was just like Thanksgiving facts. Like the first Thanksgiving was three days and then everyone was raped and murdered and everyone <laughs> ate deer and maize yeah, t- turkeys were not actually uh, you know served during the first thanksgiving It was like all right this there's no movie around that um and granted in today's article i don't know how much a movie we have around this as well but i came up uh, with,
1: I, I i went somewhere I'll I, d- I
0: did as well i came up with something uh simple and fun uh so without further ado uh today's article is brought to you by smithsonianmag.com uh and it's the it's not as much a true wacky story or anything just as it is a kind of like how something came to be uh so the title of the article is how two six uh, i'm sorry how 260 tons of thanksgiving leftovers gave birth to an industry i just said birth like with an f (laughs) Welcome to birth <laughs> after Earth. Um, so, <laughs> that was a movie that was made
1: it 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 exists in direct <laughs> defiance of God's will.
0: Uh, so basically this is a it's a pretty short article or're uh, not gonna have to go too much in depth because it's it, there's not much there. Um, but basically what it's saying is that in nineteen fifty three the company uh Swanson Uh, grossly overestimated the amount of turkeys that would be needed for Americans on Thanksgiving by about 260 tons of frozen turkey leftovers uh, due to a miscalculation. Uh, So what they decided to do was come up with the first uh, TV dinner. As TVs were starting to be more, uh, I don't know if I'd say readily available, but definitely, you know, uh, they're coming into play in, in households and you know, we get the 1955 joke and back to the future saying that no one has two TVs. Um, they talk a little bit about how basically what they did was they took aluminum trays or tinfoil and just kind of packaged these frozen meals and told everyone like, this is a frozen TV dinner and you don't have to cook it. And all you do is just, you know, heat it up in the oven since microwaves weren't in existence until I think the 1960s. Um And they started off in 1954 as the first full year of production. They sold about 10 million of these TV dinners. They started at about 98 cents, which uh, adjusted for inflation, came out today to about nine dollars and 75 cents, which
1: is still dirt cheap. Um, The the quote. Oh, uh, by the way, Nick, I just ran some quick uh, some quick mathematics. So uh, 260 tons is five hundred thousand twenty uh five hundred and twenty thousand pounds uh given that nowadays uh the average turkey weighs about thirty pounds uh before cooking and, and cleaning yeah. and everything. Um they overestimated the number of turkeys that people would need by 17,000. <laughs> 17,000 turkeys. That's a that's a good amount of turkeys. Um good 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 math, Rob. Well done. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know how much the average turkey weighed in the 50s. I feel like everything was less fat. Yeah, I was
0: going to say, all, funny enough, like everything was made with way more fat back then. But <laughs> uh, the original marketing campaign for TV dinners, uh, I'm going to quote this from the article. Uh, if you will allow me, Trey Chic, a typical magazine ad, showed a stylish woman wearing a smart green suit a pert feathered hat and black gloves, taking a TV dinner out of a grocery bag. In the background sits her smiling husband in a tan suit and bow tie, comfortably reading his newspaper. The copy line for this bit of Ozzy and Harriet heaven reads, quote, I'm late, but dinner won't be. Uh, so basically that's, <laughs> that's the whole premise of the article. Uh, the company miscalculated the amount of turkeys they needed and thus the tv dinner industry was born obviously they're no longer called tv dinners which the article does speak about a little bit uh once microwaves are invented and such you know they stopped doing the aluminum trays and just started offering the dinners as frozen dinners so you know your hungry mans your hell even your dijonos and things like that um so they all kind of play a part there um but that's basically the whole article. It's, it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Uh, funny enough, or coincidentally enough, uh, written by a man named Owen Edwards. Uh, this is actually written in 2004, and he talks about how his you know, family is from New Jersey, and his mom worked in Westfield, which, for those of you who remember back episode 12, 13, or something like that, we did The, the Watcher of Westfield, New Jersey. Uh, so it was a little, little cor- uh, correlation there. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. that is the uh, Smithsonian Magazine article, which as always will be linked in the description below. And that's uh, that's what we are going to dive into here.
1: It's certainly an interesting concept to to start with, I think, probably just because you and I are fans, the first thought that went through our heads is something akin to Mad Men, just because yep. like it takes the marketing genius to come up with. Might as well repackage all this goddamn turkey. Absolutely. But uh, on that note, Nick, what do you got? All
0: right. So I decided to forego the aspect of them kind of creating the, you know, the company kind of creating the frozen TV dinner. And I, I based it solely in the 1950s, uh, uh, focusing on a housewife. Um, the premise of my film is very simple uh it is a housewife in the 1950s preparing for thanksgiving and instead of preparing freshly made meals she finally decides the best way to do so is by doing these kind of frozen dinners uh but tricking the family and her neighbors into thinking that she's preparing this lavish giant Thanksgiving meal, uh, for her family. (laughs) Um, so that's, that's basically the premise that I come up that, that I've come up with. Um, it's her tricking her family and her neighbors into thinking it's like, you know, this, this big Thanksgiving dinner, but she's preparing these frozen meals to look much more appetizing than they most likely are. Um, my director of choice is Bennett Miller. Uh, who has directed oh. um, Foxcatcher, Moneyball, and Capote? I chose Mr. Miller uh, because his the the films that he's done have a very subtle believability to them. Uh, whether it, now the the movie I'm pitching is kind of like a comedic satire, but it's more of a oh, yeah. dry comedy. It's not you know it's not slapstick or anything. Yeah.
1: You're, you're definitely right about that aesthetic that he, he brings to things. I mean, when you watch Moneyball and you watch um, uh, uh, Foxcatcher, it, I don't know what it is. It's not like, you know, the quality of the film footage. It's not the way it's shot. But you get this vibe that you're watching almost documentary footage. Yeah. yeah. Like it's very, very close to that in its feeling, but not the actual look, it's, which is a very fascinating way that he does. The,
0: the best way that I can kind of describe his films, which it. It's probably going to sound like an insult, but it's absolutely not meant to be. Is quiet. I feel like his films are very his films are very quiet. You know.
1: Yeah, you you, you feel a sense of emptiness a lot. Yeah, and you can, he works with that material because he does a lot of long shots, yeah, it, it, long shots in very empty rooms,
0: especially with Foxcatcher. I mean, it's that movie's incredible. Uh, but yeah, I, I chose him because I'd love to see his aesthetic shown through in like kind of a 1950s housewife commercial uh i i I kind of have this sort of like truman show commercial aspect feeling to it you know laura linney holding up the uh Mm. what is it like a like a apple slicer or something and looking directly into the camera it's like it's
1: like a three-in-one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. one of those one of those kitchen utensils Uh, (laughs) she's gonna like stab him with a potato (laughs) peeler (laughs)
0: um but that's kind of the the premise i have where it's like it's just flat out becoming kind of this 1950s commercial um so i chose a cast of four i have my housewife my husband and then i have two neighbors uh so my housewife who's the main character of the film uh would be one of my absolute faves emma stone um she looks great in that time period uh especially in um the the help uh, I think right. Which, right. I always
1: forget she was in that. Yeah, which I, I
0: think is a little bit earlier. I think it's the 30s or 40s, but still uh, that sort of era. I think she looks great in for the husband. I actually chose Jonathan Groff. I wanted someone again, a little bit quieter, oh. a little bit more subtle. Um, and when he's not on stage playing King George, he is it's spitting everywhere. <laughs> he's incredibly subtle in his performance in Mindhunter, which is actually where I first was introduced to him. Um I had no idea he was a Broadway actor. I watched Mindhunter and I was like, this guy's fantastic, um, which I'm actually happy with. I kind of got that television aspect of his career prior to knowing about his his very, very uh, excellent and performative Broadway past, uh, whether you're talking about Frozen or uh, it was a spring awakening. He got a start in, I think.
1: I think that was his first show. I, th- I believe like, so. Yeah, on the Broadway stage release. Yeah. Um,
0: so I chose him for my uh, husband, uh, and then for my two neighbors, I have one of my other absolute favorite. Well, you know what? They're all kind of absolute favorites. Uh, I've got Alexandra Daddario um, because she also looks really good in the 1950s kind of chic style um, with the pinup hair and you know like a sunflower blouse or something. And for my second neighbor. Uh, I chose Cynthia Erivo. Um I want my two neighbors, uh, Alexander DeDario and Cynthia Arrivo to kind of be very much the town gossip. You know, they're kind of like, they're <laughs> kind of like looking through Emma Stone's like, kitchen window like from from a distance trying to like see what's going on in there so they're kind of like the nosy neighbors that are trying to figure out what's happening and emma stone's trying to play it all secretive because she's trying to create this dinner and trick everyone into thinking it's like oh my god it's this beautiful meal and maybe like the year prior she had a lot of issues on thanksgiving or like the turkey came out burnt (laughs) or something like that Uh, the incident the the incident Uh, honey we don't want to relive the incident now do we
1: Um, we said we would not bring up the incident in front of the children
0: (laughs) you're right dear I'm sorry Um, that's basically my my premise and my cast and director I came up with a couple titles I was trying to keep it in like a 1950s aesthetic obviously I've said that a ton of times already Uh, but I came up with four different titles the titles I've come up with are What's for Dinner just be thankful kiss the cook and don't be late for dinner i was trying to kind of play off of the guess who's coming to dinner aspect
1: well don't be late for dinner immediately makes me think of i don't know why but that fake thanksgiving horror movie trailer that they made for grindhouse
0: oh yeah i think i remember which one you're talking about (laughs)
1: like the pilgrim killer yeah yeah (laughs)
0: Although that does have like a don't
1: good, be late for dinner, that would be a
0: really good horror connotation. Like, that definitely sounds like a sexploitation film of the 70s or something.
1: Oh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's it's astounding to think that it took Eli Roth like giggling in his room alone. Like, they never made a Thanksgiving horror movie. <laughs> now I just get to make the best parts in 30 seconds,
0: <laughs> but yeah, that's my uh, that's my premise, and uh, it's pretty subtle, pretty simple. You know, funny enough, as I was thinking about this. I feel like he shows up in every single episode of the podcast we ever do. But the first person to come to mind was George Clooney, uh, just because of his work in like Suburbicon or things like that, or Good Night and Good Luck, even um, that like, you know, 1950s aesthetic. Just I was like, no, I, you know what? I got to stay away from Clooney. I feel like we use Clooney almost every single time.
1: Mm. <laughs> we he's, he's also starting to age out of, you know, 50s dad yeah
0: yeah yeah oh <laughs> i'm sorry i meant i meant for the director not the uh not the, oh for the director uh, yeah, yeah, not the actor yeah no for for the director yeah, he always That's cast himself anyway <laughs> yeah right um which you know what i'm fine with i, I think he's fantastic but yeah I, I chose bennett miller because i wanted someone a little bit different a little bit uh more nuanced i would say um so mm-hmm. that would happen to be what i got uh so rob uh
1: uh-huh. what do you got <laughs> Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll start with, uh, with, uh, cast and crew and title, um, uh, mine is just called Give Thanks. Nice. Uh, the director I chose was Richard Linklater. Okay. Uh, with a cast, uh, it's, it's just a family, uh, of three. Um, I chose Liev Schreiber, mm. uh, Linda Cardellini and someone new to play their, their son. Um, so i I'm not really super up to date on like child actors yeah moment, like, i mean the only
0: one i know is like jacob tremblay that's about it
1: <laughs> yeah he's starting to get out of that uh <laughs> that age the stranger <laughs> thing kids are all, all growing up alarmingly fast yeah. um but when i was reading this article again like i said before we started uh the the, the first thing that came into my head was was mad men because i'm like this really mm-hmm. is a twist of marketing genius yeah. to you know we're not gonna throw this turkey away it's not gonna keep what we do well we're always trying to make things easier for the housewife with you know you know new kinds of stoves and dishwashers sure. and laundry machines and stuff. But I I thought it was too easy and also absolutely I could not stretch that into a film a, a film yeah like yeah that, that that would be my Mad Men spec script and unfortunately they're not hiring anymore. <laughs> um, so this this story sort of started to present itself to me when I was reading the article and. And reading around about the dawn of, of TV dinners, you know, they're talking a lot about this one mom in particular who, you know, also worked, wasn't just a housewife, um, but would still come home and try and cook a full meal for the family. And, you know, how great TV dinners were uh, for her in that regard. But uh, when I read that, like the first thing that came into my head was um, that's not free time. Okay. That's just time where she doesn't have to do that particular chore, right? Uh, I guarantee you, she did not just have that time to herself then. Yeah, and I this family drama started unfolding in my head, um, of uh, a father who's a salesman, maybe even in the same industry as this guy. I if, they said his name in the article. I can't remember what it was. Who came up with the frozen dinners? Oh yeah, idea, um, Jerry something, it was Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Um who's just like the, the king of advertising. um, And I, you know, a dad uh, and, a, and a mom and a son. And it's, it's sort of at a surface level of that picturesque 1950s family, but that never really existed. It was all kind of a show.
0: Yeah. Uh, his name like was Jerry, had, Jerry Thomas, by the way, Swanson's name. Jerry him. Thomas. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like that never existed. People have very rose tinted goggles about the 50s. Absolutely. Well, yeah. White people do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> i uh, just, yeah. Oh, oh boy. That Eisenhower. It's kind
0: yeah. Right. It's kind of interesting because they go into like the Mad Men ideals. Like, Oh man, that, that was a time I was like, do you, you watch Mad Men? You kind of, you really know what's going on there? Or?
1: Yeah. He's going to die. <laughs> he's going to die by the age. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to live this way. Yeah. Um, and so what, what started unfolding in my head was that surface level, like, you know, green, greener than green lawn and, and white picket fence, Dad is a salesman. Mom has just recently got a job because that's a thing now, son. <laughs> um, and then I like things that explore kind of the cracks in suburbia. So I don't think the marriage is in a good shape. I think Lev Schreiber is very set in his ways uh, about certain things and doesn't like that his wife is supplementing his income. Sure, yeah. But he can't really talk her out sort of, of it. Sort of feels emotionally related. Yeah. 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 Um, and she's absolutely overwhelmed because of the expectations that she has to keep doing all the other stuff, though, like vacuuming the whole fucking house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, <laughs> you never see on any of those shows, oh, Junior, go vacuum your room. It's no, mom will do it while you're at school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I like the idea of the son like, really idolizing his father as a salesman. He wants to be a salesman when he grows up. Um, oh, Biff. The movie <laughs> <laughs> really kind of dawns with this uh, notion of, um, you know, Thanksgiving into the, the the beginnings of the TV dinner and how you expect that's great for a household, mm-hmm. but it also kind of creates a gulf. Now you're just all sitting in different easy chairs and couches around a, a living room TV with these things, and there's not really the same connection as there is as a dinner table, is there? Mm-hmm. Um, and so with this kid idolizing his father and Jerry Thomas and the advertising business and the way that things are, I think... I, I want to see a 1950s family unravel okay. and, and go through a divorce in the way that you really don't see. I, I think the um, closest we've,
0: we've gotten to that
1: is probably like Revolutionary Road, maybe. Yeah. And even then, like, you know, <laughs> there, the movie ends in tragedy because they kind of feel they're stuck. Right. And they have to keep doing the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like,
0: uh, it's, it's one of those like, well, you know, everyone already expects this, so we just kind
1: of stick with it. Yep, and then she dies. <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> but, yeah, that's just kind of what came to my head and why I went with uh, Richard Linklater because I finally like watched the entirety of Boyhood, mm. um, which is a very interesting film. And, yeah, I, I was just intrigued by the notion of uh, the frozen TV dinner is supposed to make life easier for you, but if there's already a problem, that's not going to fix the problem. It's
0: it's basically a Band-Aid on a wound that needs far more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, and by the end of the movie, like sitting in easy chairs watching, I guess, Lucy. <laughs> um, or, or maybe the, the honeymoon race. Race or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love the honeymoon. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like the only time that they're all actually in the same room.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of uh, like... Yeah. I mean, that, that was kind of the, the premise of the TV back in the fifties, right? Like it's kind of like gather everyone around and like sit together. This is now how you, you know, it's such a foreign Mm -hmm. and alien concept to us nowadays because TVs, screens, everything is everywhere. Um, But back then it was, it was literally just that, you know, it was like you sit down, you watch an hour of Jack Benny or you watch the Milton Berle show and that's, you know, that's your family time. You got the dad, the the, the son and the daughter and the mom. Dad's got his yep. brandy or his whiskey. And, you know, mom's got a cigarette in her mouth. Kid's playing with a toy fire truck. Um, but yeah, there, there's so much. There's so much more beyond that, be behind the veil that we don't get to see. Because like you said, it's those rose tinted, uh, rose tinted glasses. Um, it's, it's like. It's like the rough sketch of a Norman Rockwell, you know, like it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. There's something under there. Uh, I, I like that. I like I like where you're going with this, because I think it definitely delves into that just to keep it in theme with what we're going with. I I do think we try to play it somewhere around Thanksgiving, obviously. I think
1: in uh, I, I like the notion of your pitch with this attempting a, a good Thanksgiving with what she has. Yeah. Um, I think we can hybridize those and that maybe we start the movie on a Thanksgiving in the absolute exhaustion that the mom has gone through and it's not a great dinner yeah. uh, quality wise, unfortunately, but she got it all together. And then the frozen TV dinner things happens and that goes on for a year. And we kind of track this family over the course of the year and we end on a Thanksgiving um, like the one that you were leading up to sure. um, where she kind of puts it together on shoestring and, and out of frozen materials. Yeah um and it goes perfectly well but it doesn't it it doesn't work yeah it's it
0: it goes I can describe I, it. Like
1: basically they it realizes how bad things are yeah
0: it basically goes fine like that's that's the most they can expect from that right like they're not going to be like oh my god everything is better
1: now <laughs> yeah like they expect like that thanksgiving is going to be what what magazines say it is yeah. and that family's going to come together and everything's going to be great on this day. Yep. And you're going to realize what you're thankful for. And then I think the parents probably realize that they're not actually thankful for each other. Yeah. And the son realizes his father is not, um, this kind of, you, there's a time when you're a kid where your, your dad is like, can absolutely do no wrong. And has never been wrong about right. anything. And you got to be exactly like, that's him your,
0: that's your Superman. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's, um, like the J, the J that that veneer kind of washes off is is sort of the worst day of your childhood, right. In a
0: lot of ways, absolutely, yeah, because it's kind of like someone pulling the the truth back on the fiction. You know, it's it's finding out yeah. Santa Claus isn't real. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um,
1: I, I, but then you get to develop a new relationship with your dad yeah. based on you know truth yeah. and, <laughs> and growing up, that's, and that's, that's, that's definitely better. the
0: better part. Um, I like I like this idea. I like where we're going with this because I do I do think we have something here in terms of I I really like the idea of starting at one Thanksgiving and the movie ends at a year later. Um, so how do we play with this? How do we go from the first Thanksgiving is what? Is it a total disaster? Are we looking at it's like it's okay?
1: Uh, I mean, I guess probably the 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 wife has very recently started work and it it does. Yeah, it doesn't turn out well just because she has not had the time. Um, You know, she has Thanksgiving Day off, so she's been up all morning cooking. Um, And there's I think, you know, that's really where we need to start beginning the friction, but not like openly or quite as hostily as it's going to be by the end of the film with that expectation that she's also going to clean. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the first little crack in the glass that we see.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: And things kind of get progressively worse over the course of the year from there.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's pinpoint who we're using. Um, I absolutely love Linda Cardellini. Do we want to go Emma Stone? Do we want younger or do we want something a little, someone a little bit more mature?
1: Who, who is who is the husband in your scenario? Jonathan Groff. Jonathan Groff. Okay, so he, you know, the the age pairing there with Emma Stone is better. Yeah, the age pairing with Liev and, and Linda Cardellini is closer on that end. They're probably what nearing their fifties, right? Leev might. Be yeah, in she's 50s. in her mid forties. I think Leev is in his early fifties. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I guess I guess you know what it comes down to is we kind of we got to figure out how old the kid is. Sure. Sure. I um, mean, I'm thinking um, nuclear
0: it, family. I'm thinking son and daughter. Um. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. because that, that, t- when I think of the 50s, I think of husband, wife, uh, older brother, younger daughter, you know?
1: which That's what they sold to. I, I was going to
0: yeah. say, yeah, that. And then that's what it was in Mad Men as well, uh, where they used like four, di- oh, right, four yeah. different <laughs> boys to play Bobby, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's a reason I, always, I only ever remember Sally. Yeah. Because yeah. that's <laughs> Sabrina. Um, <laughs> Sabrina. Um, I think. Yeah, because I was kind of gunning for the. I think the difference also is that in yours, the, the wife is the is sort of more the point of view character yes. in mine the son is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's a question we should probably answer first.
0: I think it's tough to do the son if we don't know who we're casting because a kid that age has to carry the film, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I think focusing on the mom would probably be
1: easier. Uh, oh, and it's early 50s, right? Yeah, like it's 53, 53? 54. Okay, so if this is your your fifties family of like you know coming coming back from war, yeah. Dad and, and high school sweetheart. Then Emma Stone and Jonathan Groff are about the right age. Then. Okay,
0: yeah. I think I think yeah. you're right. I think timeline wise, they probably make the most sense. Um, yeah. Did you? I'm sorry. Did you cast anyone else?
1: Um. No, I just had the three.
0: Okay, but you didn't come up with a, a kid for the son, right?
1: No. Again, the only thing that pops into my mind is Jacob Tremblay and yeah. <laughs> And I think we can't, used... we can't just keep pointing at him as yeah. you know, that kid and, and
0: and you know what he's fantastic he's phenomenal but yeah i'm I'm mm. gonna actually do a quick search of uh, you know me too uh, current I guess current child actors, right Let's see what what young kids we have because again it's it's gonna come up with most kids from stranger things. Um, oh 100 uh, you know Millie Bobby Brown and Sophia Lillis mm-hmm. are gonna start to age out very soon.
1: Oh yeah, almost. Google, don't think we're weird for typing this. In. <laughs> yeah, please
0: <laughs> mm, show me your best children. <laughs> um, because if we were in like the mid two thousands or something, I would I would go mm. straight to Anna Sophia Rob because uh, she's one of my go tos back then. I would say as All a right. child actress, what'd you say?
1: Whatever happened to her. Whatever happened to her? <laughs> she was in
0: um the show with Patricia Arquette and. Uh, Joey King about Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Oh, right. Yeah, I can't remember the name
1: of, it, but she played the
0: neighbor and she was very, very good in it.
1: Oh, how about that kid? Uh, from A Quiet Place. The
0: the the middle son.
1: What was it? The yeah, the one with the curly hair. hair. I
0: don't Let's remember his see. name. Let's see how old he is, because I'm thinking we should probably do like eight to twelve for age, right? Hmm. Uh that would be Noah Jupe, who's born in two thousand five, so he's you know, he's fifteen or so now, but that could nice. work. I mean um we're probably it's gonna take us a while to find children. That's a gross sentence. Um, it's Please gonna take, It's gonna take us a while to find child actors who kind of fit the mold without knowing exactly what <laughs> we're looking for.
1: <laughs> Sounds like that bit that Belushi does in the blues, but like your women, how much for your women? Sell them to me. <laughs>
0: Um, so the wife, the daughter. <laughs> so we focus on Emma Stone, we focus on Jonathan Groff. Do we do we bring in my idea of kind of the neighbors, whether maybe it's just one, but like kind of have that one nosy neighbor?
1: I think yes, because we can use them as a stick to kind of continually reinforce the expectation. Yeah. I, um, and then we can keep dipping back into like during. Like, you know, like dinner parties or having people sure. over, or like there's barbecue in the back, like we have to, you know, just fucking swallow it and be what you're supposed to be kind yeah. of thing. But of course, that creates a lot more pressure as soon as there's no one else in the house. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a great point. They're kind of like, I don't know if I would say catalyst, but they're a part of that, uh, you know, magnifying issue. Yeah. Mm. My,
1: my high school uh, theater teacher uh, said one, I forget what play we were reading, but he he, and it's always stuck in my head. He said, "This character exists solely as a cattle prod." (laughs) (laughs) That was a very great turn of phrase.
0: A cattle prod. I like that. That's great, Missy Cliff. Um, So, do we cast someone new, or do we use Alexandra Daddario or Cynthia Erivo?
1: Where do I know Cynthia Riva from?
0: Uh, she is in Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, she plays uh, Holly Gibney in The Outsider. And she is right. also a Broadway actress.
1: Holly. Yes. Um, hmm. Very, very talented singer yes yes and uh, and now i'm just i'm thinking back through the outsider okay, um, ironically
0: again another person i had no idea was a broadway actor i saw them in ba- I, them i saw cynthia in bad times at the al royale first and i was like wow she can sing
1: <laughs> oh good for her she's got a
0: real future in that singing man if film doesn't work I, out <laughs>
1: yeah we always, we always try to take credit for this i know right it's like man <laughs> um it comes to my mind that race is an issue, but it doesn't have to be because this is our world. So yeah, let's do Cynthia. Yeah, I, I
0: feel like any time we do something that is taking place in a in a bygone era, uh, we have purposefully neglected the race issue so that we can kind of you know work around it. Um, I I prefer it that way. You know, I, I don't think
1: unless we're doing something that specifically is. Treating with those issues, yeah. When we do have that responsibility, then no, I don't care that they wouldn't have a black neighbor. I would like to, I would like to cast Cynthia Arriva, please. Yeah, and again,
0: (laughs) it's the 50s, so you know, I I think that they would still, they would probably the neighborhoods would be, you know, more segregated than they are now. But it's not like it would be
1: unheard of
0: to have a neighbor. Well, this
1: is when. This this was kind of what the suburbs was for as people fled the cities. Right. Because black people were moving into the neighborhoods. Yep. Harlem used to be a pretty like, you know, like it's where doctors lived. White doctors lived up there yeah. and would walk down the street to go see the Giants play at the polo grounds. And then, you know, they got afraid of black people moving into the neighborhoods. So they all moved out to like Rockport.
0: We talked about that <laughs> with um, the the Collier Brothers.
1: Right. Yes, the, the, the world Harlem. was changing around them in that in that kind of way. Yeah. And that's you know, there's your suburbs right there. It's white flight. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So we use Cynthia Arivo. Then we have the, the three. Of when them. Willie
1: Mays was house shopping in San Francisco, he found in like a nice house he wanted to buy on one of those cool slopy San Francisco streets, sure. and the neighbors were kind of like, "Oh, we know you're famous and you got the money, but like, are you sure?" <laughs> I'm like. How fucking dare you speak to it's Willie like, Mays? The, sp- the greatest baseball player of all time. How dare you? <laughs> um, but yeah,
0: I mean, yeah, that's true. Like that was, it, it was like, it was like the, it was a scare for white people back then. It's like, oh god, they're mm-hmm. coming, they're coming into our neighborhoods. Right. You know,
1: let's not pretend it's still not happening. Yeah, property absolutely. values. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think those three are great. Now our question before we start really delving into the premise or at least the you know three act structure, Linklater or Miller. My pre- this is a tough one because I actually think both of our directors are perfect for what we've pitched. Um, hmm. The only reason I would say Miller is just because I, I think we've used Linklater really when i, I can't remember yeah. and i wish i i kept like a full list of everything <laughs> every cast
1: member every director we've used but you know let's yeah maybe we can make a project of it i don't know
0: it's not a bad idea i'm going to check the only thing i can think of is like going back into our twitter um and seeing if i've tagged uh, him anything
1: uh, i'm trying to think of the most recent ones are korean war anthology he was not involved in that
0: no I have, uh, in in my current notebook, I have everything from episode 17 and up, and I know he's not in here, so it would be
1: something earlier, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I don't think I've ever proposed him.
0: I thought you have, but maybe I'm wrong. I could very I well be I think I've wrong.
1: talked about boyhood before. Okay. I don't think I've, like, proposed Linklater as my guy, though. I think I've, I've talked about the aesthetic. Yeah.
0: All right. I am... Uh... I'm fine with it. I think he's fantastic, so I'm I'm good with uh with going with him. I'm just trying to think. I yeah, need...
1: I, I enjoy his his dynamics between close knit groups of people, kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: So we go with Link later. Now, the question is basically just, what's our three act structure here?
1: I, th- I think we've got it down in the bare bones. Um, I know we you know we want to bookend them with Thanksgivings, so. Yeah. You know, the day after and from there, you know, uh, it's definitely the, the, the dawning of the age of the TV dinner is, I think, pretty much the entire first act of seeing how they're trying to use that notion as, uh, like you said, uh, as the band-aid. Sure. Um, for certain frictions that are developing. I Like, okay, you, know, you, were, you were mad that my job was interfering with my my household duties right um and i found a way to kind of get around this and look it's great it's turkey it's gravy it's mashed potatoes it's it's like a whole nother thanksgiving i
0: think Um, uh the the idea there is that act one and act three are long scenes of a single day so act one is that first thanksgiving act three is the final thanksgiving in between the second act can kind of be a not a montage but you know a a travel through the rest of the year, Christmas, things like that, mm. um, to see kind of where our character, our our, our housewife is, is going with those things. But I like the idea of Act 1 and Act 3 both being just long scenes at the Thanksgiving table, or not just the table, but, you know, Thanksgiving Day.
1: Oh, yeah. We can even... You know, I I like envisioning certain elements of movies as as plays like Revolutionary Road is a better play than it is a movie. Yeah. Um, uh, And I'm wondering if our our Thanksgiving days are uh, single takes.
0: Uh,
1: Oh, okay, Yeah, I could see that. Absolutely. Or uh, single fakes, as I like to call them. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the the 1920, uh, the 1917. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I like that. I I think that's a great idea to do it as a single take, but we just do it for Act One and Act Three, and then Act Two, yeah, and Act Two can cut. That's interesting. I don't know if that's been done. I mean, you know, there are movies that do like a long shot for a scene, oh yeah, but like 1917 is supposed to be one follow long shot besides the the blackout.
1: Um, Because what we could really do with that is uh, with the caliber of actors we have too is. Have something small happened, but he kind of plants a seed, um, like a comment or you know something like that, and we can kind of follow that actor as they carry that around for the for a bit of that day, mm-hmm. and it just kind of grows into a resentment that then comes back five minutes later in something else.
0: You mean like, the housewife?
1: Yeah, yeah. You can you can kind of watch how the seed of something is planted with this one take style. And follow the actor and kind of just with visual cues and the look on their face. You yeah, know, they're getting gradually more and more annoyed. Like, you know, you can't stop thinking about that thing he just fucking said. Sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. That that kind of little like aside he made while you were cleaning mm-hmm. the house and, and doing the dishes and cooking the meals. And this, you know, the son sitting in the living room on the carpet in front of the TV playing and she's just kind of. She's trying to like, you know, bite her tongue around uh the issue at hand and just kind of get past it so that they can continue on with their beautiful Thanksgiving dinner. Mm-hmm. I like that. And so
1: Yeah. And go. it winds up being that last Thanksgiving that we show. It just winds up being noticeably quieter than the first Thanksgiving and quieter than the TV dinners we've seen them doing. It's
0: yeah, it's kind of like this 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 built up tension that it's i would say it's kind of like a, gu- a guitar string you know and as the film goes on it keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter to the point where it doesn't sound right anymore and it's kind of it's close to snapping
1: you know mhm i i had a i have a last shot in my head like i always kind of envision the way that a film cuts to black Um, of, you know, we've now gotten through the preparations on the last Thanksgiving day. Um, and we assemble in that kind of Norman Rockwell fashion around the Thanksgiving table and the tension is absolutely built to the, like what we would think it would be the climax and that there would be declining action from here. And the dad goes to start carving the turkey and just visibly gets very tired and puts the knife down and just kind of sits and him and the wife just look at each other Mm Mm-hmm. And then the movie ends. I like that.
0: I like, I mean, I'm, I'm always a fan of the kind of cut to black soprano style.
1: Um, but I like just that. And just cut back to the wide shot and just like everything seems deflated. Yeah. And just that and
0: or, or it can kind of be like a very slow zoom out of the kitchen table, you know? Husband on one side, wife on the far end, other end of the table uh mm-hmm. son or son or daughter son and daughter whichever we choose uh in the center and it's kind of there's got to be like one final line where you know even if it's just the husband just saying like everything looks great and then we kind of slowly zoom back and maybe out the door or just just fade away or cut to black uh because that, that final line looks great yeah exactly that fine yeah oh that's a damn um that sounds great because (laughs) that sounds great Uh, because yeah, that it's exactly that, right? It looks great. It, it, that doesn't mean it's going to taste the way it looks, you know? Nope. And I think that's a, it's
1: that famous shot from the beginning of David Lynch's um, blue velvet Mm -hmm. of the, the beautiful suburban house. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he goes right into the lawn and shows all the horrible vermin and bugs that live under there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, no, that's perfect. Uh, Yeah. That's exactly it. Right. Like that's the whole premise of the film is everything looks great. You know, it, it all looks good from the outside. Yep. If you look in through the window, if you're, if you're <laughs> Cynthia Rivas character and you're looking in through the window, you're like, man, they've, they've got it all figured out. They've got the, the beautiful house and the beautiful dinner, but
1: they've kept up appearances, but at what cost? Yeah. Um, Happy Thanksgiving. Everyone We just <laughs> destroyed a family for your entertainment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we have. And I think that's great. Um, what was your title again?
1: Uh, mine was just give thanks. Give thanks.
0: Say so that's similar to the one I came up with. Was is just be thankful, which is more of kind of like an assertive title.
1: It, it feels very Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, I don't right. know why. <laughs>
0: um, I'm torn between. I, those I liked two. another
1: one you had. Um, don't be late for dinner, or what's for dinner? No. Yeah, I think I liked that one. What's for dinner? I
0: think that would work. That would work as well, um, because it's kind of that's also kind of reading between the lines a little bit. I would say, Um, Mm -hmm. I'm good with what's for dinner. I think, (laughs) baby, it's what's for dinner. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I think we have something here. Um, It's a very sad it's it i i started off trying to make a satire and we made it into a very sad amazing, yeah, you
1: went very like, light i went very dark. yeah and we ended up Much going like
0: we, we ended up going very dark and i actually really like that
1: uh because yes yeah, it was a very successful hybridization yeah it was
0: we we've been we've been hitting those on the on the head recently and i'm uh i'm thankful for that <laughs> get it um do. <laughs> uh so yeah i think this has been our thanksgiving episode uh directed by richard linklater uh starring emma stone jonathan groff and cynthia Erivo uh titled what's for dinner this is our thanksgiving pitch uh we hope you guys all enjoyed it as always follow us everywhere facebook twitter uh email us wdyg podcast everywhere uh any pitches you have i would love to hear like I said at the top of this episode, if you have any ideas from even true stories that have happened to you, like something crazy, wacky, a ghost story, you've had like a weird encounter or something like that, pitch that stuff to us. Let us see what we can come up with. Um, uh, the the last thing I will say, and then Rob will throw it to you if you have anything, is... Uh, for Thanksgiving, this episode will be out Thanksgiving morning. So happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Please be safe. Please be careful. Uh, you know, we are not declining in COVID cases and you know, we're we're not the CDC, we're not the assertion on the on the issue, but I do like to say please be careful, socially distance yourself, wear a mask. Be safe for your friends and family and loved ones.
1: Uh yeah, I'll second that. Um, I know it's it's a rough time to try and and, and think about it in in these terms, but uh, I think there are still things that, that we can be thankful for and should be during this time. Um, if you are with your family, I uh, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving Day, very safe one. Um, yeah, just uh, be be safe out there and and enjoy the turkey or the ham if you're having a a good Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I've been Rob. I've been Nick. And that's what we got. What Do You Got? is recorded live at the Cape Swoosh Studios in Bloomfield, New Jersey. Our theme song was written and performed by Trevor Campbell. Additional music is provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. And our wonderful logo was designed by Gabby Weiss. You can find her on Twitter at, at Gabby Weiss.